This podcast is sponsored by King Manual Therapy, restoring function to body and voice. Later on, we will be discussing the services Stephen offers and where you can find him. Hello and welcome to Industry Minds, the podcast that discusses the importance of talking about mental health within the creative arts. My name is Cathy Reid. I'm Scarlett Maltman. And this week we are joined by a very well-known woman in the industry. She shot to fame when she appeared and won BBC's Over the Rainbow in 2010. Since there she has appeared as Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz at the London Palladium, Cathy in the last five years, great name, Um, (laughs) (laughs) the narrator in the UK tour of Joseph, uh, the UK tour of Sound of Music as Maria, Eponine in Les Mis on the West End, Sandy in Greece UK tour, and she's just finished in Rock of Ages and also uh, the Palladium Panto as Snow White. It is the wonderfully brilliant Danielle Hope. Hi, Danielle. Hey. How are you today? I'm so well, thank you. Thank you for having me this afternoon. Delightful. Thank you for coming. Absolutely, our pleasure. Um, so we start every episode off by playing a little game, and Ooh. this is Scarlett's forte, so yeah, yeah. I will pass it over to her. That's why I get Kathy to do the intro. Okay, are you ready to play a game? It's word association. Oh. So you say the first thing that comes into your brain, okay? Nervous. <laughs> Okay, here we go. Milky buttons. Childhood. Long haul flights. New York City. Yoga. Bliss. Social media. Frustrating. (laughs) Tax return. Uh. (laughs) A cheeky Nando's. Touring. Mm. Kindness. Necessary. Crystals. Ritual. A sparkly Birkenstock sandal. Something I would never wear. But you're intrigued by it, right? (laughs) I I wrote that one on the tube. I was quite proud of it. I was like, I seen someone was wearing a Birkenstock with a sock on. In January? In January. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I was like, if that was sparkly, that would make all the difference. (laughs) So tell us a bit about you. We all know the name Daniel Hope in the biz and you have an amazing list of credits which we talked about to begin with but um, when did it all start? Just talk to us about when your love for performing began. So I've always had um, a huge love for music and for storytelling and I, I guess professionally I came into it quite late in my own mind because I didn't realise that like drama schools were a thing, that that was something that you could train to do and that it was always something I loved like music was always on the side it was always my passion it was the way I communicated with the world um but I was like looking after other people's horses and doing like farm stuff and I always thought that that would be my path like with animals and it wasn't until I was 16 when I had a really good teacher um at my high school went to Knotsford High School who kind of took me under her wing and kind of educated me really in the possibilities um, of taking this further. So when I auditioned for Over the Rainbow, it was purely and only in prep for drum school auditions. So I just did it because it was free because I, was, I don't know how much they are now. I should actually Google that. But they were like 40 pounds each, I think, to audition for drama school. Same, yeah. yeah. And obviously at 16 with a Saturday job and like it's like a few months worth of savings. I had never auditioned outside of my own high school. 
So we thought that it would be a really, really good opportunity to go and have an experience um, of something new and get nervous and know how it would feel to be in a room um, with that kind of pressure before I then went to audition for the place I wanted to be. So it was never on my radar. Um, I was actually renowned in my friendship group and if they listen to this, which I'm sure they will, um, they will laugh because the, I used to like not be invited anymore to like watch the X Factor on Saturdays and programs like that because I just had no interest. Um, I was like, oh, I don't reality TV, it's not really my thing. So when I ended up on a reality TV program, they were like, Danielle, what are you doing? Like you won't even watch them. Um, the only one I did watch actually was the um, How Do You Solve a Problem Like Maria because my grandmother, before she passed, loved it and she loved The Sound of Music. So I remember um, like watching that with her on a Sunday. But yeah, so it was a really strange entrance into um, the industry and even when I won over the rainbow um, it was really important to me to, to gain that um, university or like drama school like experience yeah. so I went to arts ed in Chiswick um, which was a fantastic place to go uh, just for three months and I joined the second years and just like dropped in um, because we had a few months before we started rehearsing for the show and you know I was I just turned 18 I didn't know anybody I was like plopped in the middle of London, just like, there you go. Literally so many dreams coming true. But when you're that young and you're alone and you're not in a job yet and you know, I'm just walking around London. I know London on foot, like the back of my hand now because all I did was walk around oh, for months. Like, so, but it was, so it was an amazing gift for that. But I, just, I was a bit lonely if I'm honest. Yeah. So the, having the opportunity to go to Artsed really made me feel at home in London. And it was so wonderful and I was, I was so accepted by the, and I still to this day thank the students of that year and those three years because I was so welcomed. And it could be really difficult to have someone who hasn't auditioned, who hasn't paid or hasn't gotten a scholarship to come in and all of a sudden be joining your class when you've been training together so hard for a year. And I was so welcomed in and so, and I was so grateful and so aware of that responsibility and coming in and I, you know, I, I really took it seriously. Um, and it was a game changer for me, it really did. It made some of my best friends, still and it made London home so um yeah so growing up it was never I'd never thought I'd be doing this honestly I have um a live album out which we recorded in New York at 54 below and it's called bring the future faster and the whole concept and the idea was on I had this five-year plan and I wrote it just before I auditioned and the fi in five years it was like I will stand on a West End stage, I will maybe move to London, I will have visited New York once more. And I completed everything on my five-year plan in a year and a half after writing it. I'm such a huge, like, huge advocate for writing those lists and manifesting that and, and putting that out on paper um, because it, it really works. And so yeah, so it was never, I never even thought I'd get to move to London from Manchester. And all of a sudden, here we go. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, so just going back to Over the Rainbow. Yes. Um, so obviously, as you said, that was like your first time auditioning um, and it wasn't really on your radar. So how was that, you know, especially doing it all in front of the public eye at such a young age? How, how, did, how did that affect you kind of mentally and how did that kind of shape your, your future as, as it was? Um, so the first round of auditions and there was 9,000 people over the country. So it was a few thousand in um, a football stadium. It was Manchester United. I used to work there as a hostess. So when I got into the stadium, I was instantly comfortable because I was like, 
oh wait, everyone's in my space. Like I know where I get the cutlery out here and I used to work in um, the platinum suite and it was like Phil Collins would come in and all the footballers. And so I was so used to these like amazing celebrities being in this suite. So I kind of walked in and I was like really comfortable for the whole day. And it was obviously because of an unusual audition process, you're all called in at a time. Unless it's an open audition, there aren't like a mass of people. So to be in a stadium with like hundreds of girls, um, all a similar age, you know, all really wanting the same kind of thing. And I was kind of there like, oh, I'm just here before drama school. So I was so relaxed because I thought I'm in my space. This does not, is not my end game at all, which is so funny. Um, and I, I remember I walked into the room and I sang first just for, there was one person on one desk. So I think it was like all the producers, you had to get through like three rounds in that one day before anything was televised. And um, I remember her saying, and this room, so when I got in through to the, like the final, the third round in that day, I walked into the room, there was loads of cameras and it was really strange. It felt like being on a TV studio set and there was quite a lot of them, but they seemed so far away because there was so much tech in the way. And I'm like in, I don't even know what I was wearing or why I chose this outfit. It was so <laughs> tragic. I've got like this like 10 year old H&M horizontal stripes, not yeah. good for TV and like a working pant, pretty much what I'm wearing now. Just like, you know, so comfortable. Went in in my trainers. Yeah. When was it? 2010? Yeah. And went in and it was a, like a London casting director actually, um, who's like, you know, well known in the industry. And then all the producers of the BBC. And I sang my song and had a lovely time. And I was like, all right, you know. They were like, can we just say, I've never forgotten this. Like, Danielle, you're very unassuming. Do you think you've got what it takes to actually do this? And I stood and it was like silence. I don't know if you've ever seen The Little Prince, the Netflix adaptation of the, of the book, the movie. It's beautiful if you haven't. I'm literally like, please watch it. And the little girl gets asked a question. She's been interviewed for like a private school. And she just goes, Good, and it hits the floor. It was like, it felt like hours had gone by, but it was probably two seconds. And I must have looked really confused because I kind of went, um, yeah, I was, I'm sorry. What do you mean by unassuming? What does that even, what does that mean? Like in terms of me? So, oh, you know, you just, you don't seem like you're raring, you know, like to get it or that this is the dream for you. Like, are you going to be able to cope? I remember thinking, don't mistake my quiet and my calm for weakness. And it was that moment where I thought, okay, I'm gonna keep the stillness because it's obviously very natural to me and it's how I'm dealing with this crazy situation. Um, and I think being in my own space, being in the football stadium really helped. I think my, obviously like the desire was there and it was something really exciting, but I didn't put any extra pressure on myself. And I was so, young that I thought well none of this matters because my end game is university so I took the pressure off so I was just in there having a good time doing what I loved doing what felt good in the moment and I think that's probably what got me so far was that attitude and to be honest I kept that for the entire program and um, sometimes that was mistaken for kind of um, shyness or like I wasn't really invested in the program and I remember sitting down you know, well, being sat down once, you know, by, by some of the team being like, you know, we're just not really getting that emotional connection with you on the screen, on the cameras, we want the public to connect with you. And I, I was kind of like, I understand from a TV perspective where you're coming from, but 
this is just me. I've always been quite quiet and quite reserved and I'm gonna do it in my own time. And I genuinely, what's I've always believed what's for you won't go by you. And I could never have been one of these people who's like, this is everything to me. This is the dream. This is, because it would have been a lie. And for me, I was like, no, if, if I'm supposed to be on this program, I'll be on this program. And if I'm supposed to leave next week and go to drama school, yeah, I'll be sad to see like and say goodbye to some of these girls. They become like sisters, but I have perspective and I've always had that. Um, so that for me is what got me through the whole experience because some of the things we were doing, the places we were going, we we're going live on television. I've never been on television. I've never been in a studio set. Um, and getting all these new routines and new information, like the the rate that my brain was downloading and processing information was quicker than I've ever experienced, even still to this day. Um, I've always said I work so much better when I've got too much to do, and I think it's because of that experience. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for, for a, like a 17, 18 year old, it was wild. And now it terrifies me with age. It's not interesting that then when people go, you were so young, like, oh my goodness. I'm like, thank goodness that I was so young yeah. because I almost, I knew less. And sometimes I think we spend so much of our lives trying to know more. And really what I'm now trying to do as my like adult self is to unlearn some of the nonsense and the mental chatter and the things that we educate ourselves or we get told and given like little, um, pots of information or you're this or this is how this feels this is how you should respond to this situation and you carry it around you think great the more experiences I gain the better I'll be the more well-rounded I'll, I'll be as a human and a performer and for me like with mental health and, and dealing with all of that I'm trying to unpack that box every day and get back to that core Danielle who was just standing in a room doing something that felt so natural and so right with no judgment and no um, preconceived expectation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I've always been trying to get back to that girl. And we were just, before we started recording, we were talking about the Edinburgh Festival and the Fringe. That was the first time being in that environment with those people doing that solo show, which scared the shit out of me. <laughs> um, like doing it, I've done like solo shows, but never every night, like for a whole week. And that was really, really scary. But I stood on stage as myself and there were quite personal questions that were being asked. And I said, this is the, I had to thank the audience every night because it was the closest I'd felt to that 15 year old girl who used to sit with an iPod on the bus, just singing along to musical theater songs, telling a story for you, through music. Um, so yeah, I think like remembering that root and that core of why you start doing anything, not even theater, anything creative. We're all creative beings. And I think sometimes we learn too much. Yeah. It isn't always like, you know, yeah. more information. Um, we we have we say this to a lot of our guests, um, especially like me and Kathy are both out of work for yeah. just now, for example. And I think you know dealing with all these muggle jobs, as it were, you, you do get kind of lost in who am I, why am I doing this, and you can't. It's so easy to forget who, like it's so easy to forget like why you're doing it, regardless if you're on a massive successful platform or if you're dealing with four muggle jobs. It's and that's kind of why we're doing this to make to make everyone realize that everyone's yeah. kind of gone through the yeah. same. I think I think what people think is that if you have huge like huge success and you you're on the west end and whatever then everything's great but you're still a human being at the end of the day and mm -hmm. just because of your CV doesn't necessarily mean that everything's going to be 
hunky dory absolutely not and you know what i'm gonna drop an absolute truth bomb right now i've been in london for nine years and i've had some of the most amazing creative jobs ever i worked in a shop in shoreditch this summer for three months and i loved it and it was a beautiful independent shop and it was the first job the first muggle job and i love that you say muggle because i use that word every day um and it was it was so important to me i needed to reroute I needed to find what was creatively driving me. I was rehearsing the Edinburgh show at the same time. Um, but I needed, whether I knew it or not, and whether I wanted to, there was one, you have to pay your rent. This is not a choice thing. But two, I wanted that structure. I wanted to do at 10 till eight, I'm going in, I'm going home. Um, and it doesn't matter like what jobs you do, like we're all freelance creative artists and it's okay, like take the pressure off yourself. Like it's okay, we're all in this together. This is one community. There's no straight line in the arts. There's no, this is how I kind of broke it down. I did, I did a lot of writing like over the summer and I think it's so amazing what you guys are doing with this podcast and it's so inspiring truly because the way you can find a creative outlet and a way to um, help other people and bring people together because it's not easy to talk about that. Like, you know, how many people I know that are on the West End I can name, you know, instantly that I know have got temping jobs or muggle jobs, but no, like not many people want to admit it or they don't, but listen, we all do it. That's part of it. And in a way I found we all get like a tool bag. This is the way I kind of described it to myself. I was trying to figure out what was going on because I. this is for me, well, 2018 was one of the roughest mental years for me, like with myself. There were a lot of things that I was struggling with um, and struggling to understand and process. And the way I kind of like brought it down was you have a tool bag and you start whatever career or whatever you're doing and you pick a mountain. And you go, okay, so let's have a look at the size of this mountain. Let's see the shape. Let's see the hills. Let's see, is it snowy? Is it grassy? Whatever. You calculate that. You calculate how long it's going to take you to get to the top if the top is your desired place. And you go, okay, so I've got an empty bag. What do I need to fill? You go to school. You learn this. You do after school clubs. And all of these tools come into your bag and you make your way up this mountain. I see the mountain of my life as I started to do that. And all of a sudden, someone came in a helicopter, took me in my toolkit, which wasn't full yet in my you know, um, opinion, and threw me on the top. Now that's amazing, oh my goodness. I didn't have to climb those bits and I climbed in a very different way. But what do you do when someone leaves you at the top of a mountain and you gave yourself five years to get there? Like that, the way you, you judge yourself and the expectation and the pressure, because is the only way to jump straight to the top of another mountain or do you have to come down? Can you find a way halfway? And the answer is all of those. Like it's it's totally up to you. And most of the time it's not, it's about circumstances or where you are and the timings of things. You know, you so hard to grab hold of anything creative in that sense. And that's how I kind of had to like describe it to myself so I could make sense of it. So I was like, why? do I feel this immense pressure to sustain something that really is not sustainable, like constantly in the arts? Like it looks, there's no line. It, it looks like swirls and circles and then it jumps off the page and becomes something else. Um, and that's the only way I could visualize it for myself. I was like, that's it. So it's okay to head first, roll down the mountain or completely pick a new one. Um, and it's, and everyone's is individual, but that's how I felt 
that's what I felt happened to me at the beginning. And I'm very grateful for those experiences. And it's led to such incredible shows and creative outlets. Um, but sometimes it, it feels like you fell so much further than you were ready to fall. And that's what last year was for me. Um, and I kind of like, but I think I needed it. I think sometimes you have to feel like a part of you, um, not dies, it sounds so intense, but it was like a rebirth for me this year, I'll say. Um, definitely mentally and really figuring out why I started to do this in the arts and what I wanted to do. Um, yeah, and that was for me like the, with the muggle jobs and balancing that and it, it's hard to sometimes remember and have perspective and that's why this podcast is important. That's why coming together as communities and really supporting each other. Um, because I don't know, I know about you guys, but you're together, so you must be like you collaborators. Yeah. Like we're artists, we love to bounce ideas and you know move that around the room. And that's when I feel at like my healthiest. That's when I feel like I'm good. And this whole year for me is about creating community yeah. within this, you know, this crazy world that we all live in and survive in. Going off one thing you said there, I don't know if you've seen it on Twitter, but I can't remember who the gentleman was, but it was a um, famous kind of Hollywood actor, yeah. and someone's uh, pa a paparazzi took a shot of him um, coming out a kind of like American diner where he'd been working. I don't know if you've seen it, and he got absolutely slated on Twitter. Um, you know the going all like, look what what's become of this man and everything. He used to be an amazing actor, now look at him. And I was like, right, I get that maybe the general public don't understand that, and then everyone in the creative arts kind of like came together and was like no like we all have to do this one minute you're in a job one minute you're, one minute you're not and I think although there is that whole negative side from the public who don't kind of understand it it was like a little family of creatives that were like this this is what it is and I think yeah, yeah it's real it's real life and I think you know especially this year we me and Kathy are on a mission to make it the kind of year that mental health stigma in the arts kind of disappears and a lot of people are on our side for that so I think that's why it's so important you can have a muggle job you can be out of work you can be in work and struggling but just know that you've got this whole community behind you can make the difference between something severe and something not so obviously in uh, 2010 when you did uh, the Dorothy program social media was a thing but it definitely didn't have the huge impact on people's lives that it does currently so firstly, how was it being in the public eye and then having to experience social media perhaps in a positive and a negative light? So social media was really very much an infant. And I remember Twitter was kind of being used, but yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that um, popular really. There was no Instagram, um, even like MySpace. So when I did the program, we had to give in every single Bebo, MySpace, and some of them like MSN Messenger, do you remember that? Um, yeah, all those things you go, I forgot I even made that when I was like 10. We had to give um, everything over to them so they could cancel every single site because of course we're young girls. So the things that you put, remember Pixo, you make websites, anything like that you could think of. They were like, we just need to get rid of it so that it won't creep up and come up somewhere because we were all so young, obviously. And um, social media has always been a really interesting one for me because we were taken off everything. So we had no access and we didn't see any of like the newspapers or magazine interviews we did. So we were really sheltered and I, I am grateful for that um, because when I came out of the program and then did all the press days, I felt ready for it. And to be honest, I've, I can happily say I've always been my full authentic self and I've had nothing that I've 
felt I needed to hide. There are things like during the program, um, both of my parents were really sick and I didn't disclose that once until months after, um, you know, when something came up. And so I was very particular about what I shared about my personal life, my family, because it's always really private and something, you know, that I take very seriously. But in terms of my opinion and my spirit and my authentic self, I was very happy to just share um, because I didn't think that that was something that shouldn't be shared. But social media, oh, so difficult. I have such a, I understand it and I, I know that it's important and it can be healthy. It can be a tool. Um, I didn't actually make my own Instagram account. I, uh, Celinda Schoenmacher, who um, I lived with and is one of my closest friends, she actually made my account for me in secret. Because <laughs> she was like, Danielle, you need to get on this. It's like pictures and art. So it's way more like stimulating and you're gonna find this so creative, I just know. And I was like, nope. I don't need another place for people to get hold of me, for me to check, for me to not be present in my daily life. Um, and my same with my Twitter really is I, the really useful group who were like producing The Wizard of Oz. They said, okay, we've got this thing called Twitter. We need you to be on it and present. But what we can do is we can make you an account and you can email us once a week with something you want to tweet and we'll run it. And I was like, even that, so this is so funny to me now to say, because this was like, even having email on my phone was like foreign to me. And I was like, why? So I was like texting the producers because I was like, oh, email, I was a kid. I was so informal with everything. Emailing felt like only the government would email me. Like, you know, it was so, it was worlds apart. So like they made me put email on my phone and I was like, well, this is weird, isn't it? But then it was, it felt so formal. So I was like, no, listen, I'll take control of the Twitter. It'll give me something to do. I'll put it on my phone. Um, and I was really terrible at it. And actually uh, Sophie Evans, who came second on the program, amazing, amazing girl. She was really savvy with it. And she was so good and she loved it. And same with Jess, Jess Robinson, who's now at Jess Daily. They were always so good with social media. And I was kind of like, I wish I was, but I'm really glad I'm not because it just doesn't fit me yeah. at all. Um, but I know now if I'd done the program in this day and age with the access to social media and how that would have helped on the program, I think it'll be a very different story. And I think even our names in like in the public and in like the general public, I think it would be much bigger. Like think about Love Island, it's only on for like what a month or two, I don't watch it, but, um, and how big they like explode. And I think if we'd been on social media or that had been around at the time of Over the Rainbow, it would have been crazy. Um, I do think social media promotes a lot of unhealthy habits and unhealthy, um, just self, self-worth, self-doubt, self, um, really kind of like mental self-harm. Um, it promotes a lot of wonderful things. Like there are things I find inspiring. You know, I can look at how to do certain yoga poses that I'm struggling with, or like looking at crystals and looking at other people's photography and what they're creating. And for that purpose, sharing is really important. But I think it's it's a discipline, isn't it? If, if you agree, like a self-discipline to be like, what do I want to enter my brain and my heart every day that's on my screen? And I don't look at social media in the mornings at all or late at night. That's my two times. If I'm in the day, it's just, I just think it's so unnecessary. I did so much of my life without it. Um, 
unless I'm researching or like if I get onto a bug of like, oh my, I need to know everything about this subject because I'm inspired, then I'll, I'll go into it. Um, and I understand it as like a working tool and, and to promote things that you're doing and to connect with people. Listen, I have had some of the most amazing conversations. We wouldn't be sat here right now if it weren't for social media. Um, there are people I've known from across the world in um, our industry, in fitness, in food, that I have traveled across the world to see someone that I spoke to a few times on social media because I found that we connected and I, we just needed to collaborate on something creative. And for that reason, the way to make the world smaller, I'll be forever grateful. But I think it's about self-discipline mm-hmm. and knowing that none of it's real. Um, what I should have said in word association, and it came to me a second later, but I was like, no, I'm following the rules. It's the first thing. <laughs> um, is For me, social media is monopoly. It's that aggressive game that you get so swept up in and you cannot talk to people for three weeks because they did something bad with the monopoly money. None of it counts. It's not real. It's a board of real life. It's a small segment. Um, It's like the game. It's like the game of life. I just lost the game. I don't know if anyone else played the game and I just made however many people listen to this lose the game. That was such a high school thing. Um, I've done years. Wow. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it is. It's like playing the game of pretend life and it's up to you how seriously you take that um but I try and use it as a tool to spread as much kind of joy and love as I can and things that inspire me and make me want to create I share in case that inspires somebody else um I recently met one of my all-time heroes it's actually nothing to do with social media but in terms of sharing um Alan Menken he came to the opening of Snow White and someone told me he was in. I didn't know till the interval and I burst into tears. No shame. I was like, I was just Snow White for Alan Menken. My life is made. And I ran to the front of house bar. Like after, I've never gotten changed so quick. My whole life I was the first person up there. Um, like running just to spend 15 min- like minutes with him talking. And you know, when you're wrecking your brain, you're like, I've got to say something. I'm like going, yeah, and having a normal conversation, pretending this is so cool. <laughs> I'm like really relaxed about this, not, not freaking out at all. And I was like, I have to say something, but what to say apart from like, you, you're my hero or like, I love you, sorry, bye. <laughs> and, um, and it kind of like came to me through the 15 minutes and what I kind of decided on just before I gave him a hug and I gave him a hug, oh my God. <laughs> I was like, thank you for creating everything you created because it inspired me to create. So through his music, I was inspired to create and tell other stories. So I hope with the things I create and share that that passes on. And that's what it is. It's a constant collaboration, give and take, constant share. So for social media, let's have more of that and more of this. And as much of your authentic self as you want to share um, or as little, and then don't share anything. You don't even need to be on social media. You know, Don't be afraid of that. And I think when people go, I'm going off Facebook for three months or like, don't even announce it. Like, yeah. it's your rules. You do it. Like, you don't need to go, bye guys, love me. Uh, I'm going to go off now. Uh, signing off, signing off, going, 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 gone. It's, it's, it's MSN like- Messenger. It's like G to G, BRB, <laughs> poke, wave, nudge, nudge, a nudge. That's what it was. It's like your, your whole screen wiggled. Yeah. It's like you just go do you. Like, yeah. go depart. It's okay. Yeah. It's still going to be here when you get back. I promise. So as we said at the start of the podcast, we are gratefully sponsored by King Manual Therapy. Stephen is a manual therapist who specializes in myofascial release and Scarlett and myself are both here with him at his clinic today. Hello, Stephen. Hi, Scarlett. How are you feeling after your treatment? 
I feel really, really good. I had quite a lot of back tension and neck tension, I think you would say. Stephen just kind of shuggled me all up. That's a technical term. <laughs> so it was something that I wanted to start in 2019 in order to look after my mental health as I carry quite a lot of stress around my body. Um, and Stephen's clinic is such a supportive, safe and funny atmosphere. He offers top banter as well throughout his treatments. It's been a really great thing to do in 2019 for me. And I went for a vocal massage last week and having put off going for vocal massages for years because I've heard about how painful they are, I can confidently say that it was completely pain-free and I felt so much better after it and I think that there is a big link between looking after your mental health and looking after your physical health as well. So Stephen, if people would like to book in with you, where can they find you? So you can find me at kingmanualtherapy.com and there's a whole little booking system there. You can just schedule, come and see me, come say hi. We'll work out what we can do. And um, you can find me on Twitter. You'll find me, King Manual Therapy, and uh, Instagram, also King Manual Therapy. I feel like that's really unimaginative. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure you check it out. So you obviously have a huge following on both so social media accounts. Do you feel um, a responsibility to kind of take care of all your fans and followers because that that's a huge responsibility um yeah what what's your thoughts on that so i think any human being or any person in the world has and is completely responsible for whatever they put out whatever comes out of your brain out of your mouth whatever you type whatever you share you are responsible for um you get to decide what you think is acceptable and what isn't, and that is personal choice. And I would never pass judgment or opinion on other people's way of lives or choices. Um, I always felt a huge responsibility because I was so young on the program and the types, the audience I had from a young age sometimes started at the age of like zero or six. And the, the young girls that were coming to watch the shows um, who were writing to me, who were supporting me were babies and it's so strange because I had some people come to watch me in Snow White at the Palladium it's my first time back there at that theatre yeah. in nine years who went I, you were my first ever show I saw you when I was six and they look like they're you know they're 16 now and I'm like oh my goodness the first time I've ever wanted to vomit and felt old um because <laughs> I was like and I always was aware of that responsibility to I think I've maybe I actually don't even know if this is true I've never sworn on social media. I've never typed a swear word. I know that's so silly. And I, it, in my daily life, you know, I'll, I'll drop a few here and there, but um, the, especially growing up and even going out, if I wanted to go out and have, like, I was 18, you know, I can go out and have cocktails with my friends, I'm in London. And I was always very careful of photographs or of language or still an awareness of behavior because there was a lot of young girls or young performers or just young people seeing how I was behaving and going is that how someone who is on the West End behaves or is that how someone who did a television program behaves and also just how this person how Danielle Hope behaves let's observe let's see so I've always been super aware and I think as I reached I would say like 24 so like the past two years I've started to let go a little bit of like, of that, not stress, but like that hyper awareness of like, I mustn't say that, or I must keep, you know, like you'll, if you go scroll, like scroll through my Twitter for the past 10 years, there isn't a single political, religious, any opinion on there because that's, 
I don't want to share that and that's not my place to share that in my own opinion. And that's not what I use my social media for. Um, but I do agree with the following that you you have a responsibility to a degree, but it's such a fine line, isn't it? Because where does responsibility end and ownership and expectation begin? When people feel like they have, um, they're entitled to your personal time, to your personal life. Even, you know, there's so many like things that go back and forth and up and down about stage door. And it's, you know, to me, if I'm healthy and I'm well, one, I've got to leave stage door anyway, I will spend as much time as I've got with people who are asking genuine questions. And if people ask me about auditions and ask me about advice, if I feel like I have any knowledge to share, I will of course do that. If I have my, who is now passed, but if I have my 96 year old grandma who I have 20 minutes to see across the road in a coffee shop, because this was true, and I have a full stage door, the Palladium, I'm gonna choose to go and spend 20 minutes with my grandma because that's my prerogative and that's so important to me. And I would also respect anyone else in the same position. Or if you don't feel well, one, you don't wanna pass germs. Two, you've gotta be okay for the show the next day. So if you need to run home and you go, I'm really sorry, it's so nice to meet you guys. Like stage door isn't included in a ticket price. It's not something like, this just where you exit. On a movie set, you're not gonna hang around the studios, you'd be shooed off. It's just because people know where you're entering and, and leaving a building. And it's so, like, honestly, it's one of my favorite things is to meet people after and before the show and to speak to, I have so many amazing um, students and people who come in and who have so many questions and I'm like, I will give you an hour if I've got it and stand here because I can see that you're passionate and this is something that you wanna pursue and, you know, and even just people who are grateful for the show and they want people to get, uh, you know, sign a, a book or, it's, it's such a beautiful thing, but I think everything in balance and in reason and and I think it should be a mutual respect mutual responsibility for you to live your own personal life and for also to know that we are in the business of sharing art and inspiring other people I hope and I hope that's something I can continue to do um, and I do that to the best of my ability with also a lot of self-care invested in that yeah so a lovely little segue there what do you do to look after your mental health oh okay so huge fan of journaling um uh just getting out all of the mental chatter and nonsense and it usually does look like ridiculous squiggles on the pages <laughs> i have certain rituals but i'm very flexible in my routines because or oh, therefore lack of because i never want to be restricted the thing i've mainly my work has mainly been in live theater and as we all know anything live anything could change at any moment and i've always said if you have um certain things you always do before a show or like if your half is really restricted and you're like I have to do this at this time and this listen some people need that and that routine and structure gives them like an anchor and a base but for me it makes me feel the opposite because if I can't do one of those things how will I function healthily you know so exercise is is huge for me even if that is 15 minutes of my own interpretation of a yoga flow on my bedroom floor that's what I'm doing um or to be honest I usually stick <laughs> the country radio on really loud in my kitchen and I jump around like line dancing this is not a joke like it's almost like a hit workout it's line dance you sweat and then on the advert breaks I have a little rest and have some water and then I go again um I'm all about physicalizing um a lot of that if there's any mental chatter or mental stress um I'm all about getting that into the physical body and removing that um I also know when it's important to feel stuff and one of my one of the things I live by is you need to hurt 100% to heal 100% sometimes and 
if you have something that's niggling at you and your instincts or if you're feeling really sad or you know really depressed and really low sit in the feeling let's go okay this is this is not me this doesn't feel good I'm I'm out of flow um I'm out of alignment with who I am but I can recognize that so for me it's about sitting in the emotion but not and acknowledging it but not necessarily giving it too much weight um and not dwelling and like really um going into it but being like what is triggering this what is causing this um and why do I feel like out of line and then also congratulate yourself every time I feel sad I feel angry or I feel elated I congratulate myself for being a fully spectrumed rainbow human being where I go wow I, I can feel this and the fact that I'm feeling this means that I'm out of alignment with my true self and I can see that. So I'm really proud of you, Danielle, for feeling this sad because your body is telling you this is not right or this doesn't feel good for you. Um, so that's been a, a real good tool for me is to not push it down, is to completely let it go through you and do its full cycle. And usually it just goes through and you go, whew, that was weird. Or that was, you know, clearly something brought that in. But it's equally as important, especially as a creative, to, to feel all those things. Um, I love crystals and I love um, a lot of holistic practices and Reiki and I'm really into like the planets and the moon. Um, I'm also super earthy though in a way of that I do have a lot of perspective like and I'm very open-minded about it. Even like someone could come in and go, yeah, but this. And I go, yeah, it's actually a really good point. You know, they completely disagree with whatever I say about the crystals or the moon or how it's affecting. I'm very much, especially as a woman, in line with the moon. Like my cycles are always with the new moons. I love to work with that for me, just as like a female going back to the earth, going back to those roots. That grounds me not just as an artist, but as a woman. Um, and I feel connected to something much larger than myself and like the creation, you know, and, you know, bringing in and setting those intentions. Like we talked about writing lists earlier with the new moon and being like, what is it that I want to bring in? What is it that I want more of? Um, it's amazing. Um, author Danielle Laporte and she has um, some books called The White Hot Truth, Firestart Sessions. And she came up with this fabulous thing called Desire Mapping. And this is a huge tool for me. And, you know, especially this is really relevant because New Year and I brushed on this. I did like a little Insta Live. A lot of people go, okay, so I want to be rich or I want to lose weight in this amount of time. I want to do this. And they set these goals and you're like, okay. And you probably won't achieve them because they're quite big, general, vast goals. And there are so many paths and avenues to get to any of those things. Now, some of us, that really works and we do it. For me, and this is a new moon thing, so this is like, what you know, every four or five weeks, I, how do I want to feel? So I want to feel fulfilled. Okay, now let's work down. What fulfills me? Being creative. Okay, what are new ways I can find to be creative? What types of creativity are fulfilling me? Fulfillment for me as well as spending quality time with um, like-minded people, creating the community. So I'm like, okay, great. So I already have these goals for the desired feeling. So it's very clear what I need to do to feel that way. Cause really I feel like we're all chasing feelings because you want to be successful because you want to feel something. You want to have enough money so that you can feel stable and comfortable or you can have flexibility in what you do. So instead of like starting with the goal, go from the feeling and work down. Yeah, so for me, like I'm working with the moon and then on a full moon, 
releasing anything that doesn't serve me anymore. Um, this is like the first year I, was, I mentioned earlier, like 2018 for me was one of the roughest mental health wires. Like, and I'm so happy to own that. Like I was not okay. Um, and I'm really grateful for it now because I've learned and sometimes we have to get to those darker places to realize, ooh, I've not swept this corner for a while, you know, let's figure out what this is and why it's here. And those tools were something that really helped me figure out what it was that I wanted. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of been my, I guess that would be my ritual. I was just going to ask you about crystals. So this is something that I was just introduced to by a guy that um, I've done a show with. And he was like swearing by this crystal. And he was like, you need to get a rose quartz, Scarlet. So just kind of um, chat, chat to us um, for people listening who don't know much about crystals. So it's funny you say rose quartz because um, I resisted that crystal for most of my life because it's attached to um, Taurus. Yeah. And I was like, don't tell me which crystal. My whole life I was like, don't tell me which crystal I like. like I love blues and purples. And I was like, it's pink. Everyone knows what rose quartz is. I don't want that one. I want to be different. <laughs> and then um, a very, um, very good friend. And um, I was like spirit guide came into my life and she brought me this raw rose quartz. And she was like, you need this. And boy, did I like, and I've always felt like huge energy. So the way I describe crystals, so I make crystal jewelry. It was just for pure pleasure. I set up an Etsy because a few people wanted them and it was an easy way to kind of do it. Um, and the more I was making, the more I felt like it was getting further away from what I intended it to be, which was just a creative outlet and a, a total pleasure thing for me. So I was making this jewelry and it was really, really fueling me. And, you know, a few people were like, oh, it's, it's just nonsense. You're just holding rocks. Like, what are you saying? And there's all these meanings and all these things. And I was like, listen, I'm not going to fight you because what is true for you is not true for me. And, but I said, listen, I made these necklaces and I tied them with Disney princesses, some of them. And I picked all the qualities in the Disney princess that would match the same qualities of the stone. Um, so for example, you have Aurora, I did with rose quartz. And there was this like um, abundant, unconditional love, um, a peace and ease when you walk into a space or a room. Um, cultivating that light and that kindness and that beautiful feminine energy and you know I list the qualities of the crystal and the qualities of the princess and I said to this friend I said listen if I give you this necklace so I'm wearing one now I'm wearing selenite I wear this and I give you four keywords and I say unconditional love feminine power light and whatever the color pink means to you, whatever you think. Like I always think of quite warm, feminine, soft, healing um, things when I think of that light, dusty pink. And all I give you is those words and this crystal. If you think of those four things, every time you see that crystal, you're bringing more of that, more unconditional love, more light, more magic into your life, into your space, just on one level. So I said, if that's all it is for you, that it's a reminder, it's an affirmation to bring more of that goodness in, I'm a happy girl. If you hold a crystal and it gets burning hot in your hand and you feel this buzz of energy through your body, that's also another way of responding to crystals. And everyone responds in their own way. Um, and I've had all those experiences. And for me, having them in my dressing room is a huge anchor um, for me. I used to hide them in bras and pockets and stuff and it just got ridiculous because I had like lumpy bits. And, and I was like, there are some costumes like Rock of Ages, there's not enough costume to hide crystals. And that's why I ended up getting some of my tattoos because I was like, I want an anchor on my body, literally, that is going to hold me down. Um, I would say like one foot grounded, one foot can fly. Um, but yeah, for me, like that was always 
just a lovely thing. I've always felt connected to crystals. It's it, They come from the earth. They have a different properties, like especially with chakra balancing and Reiki and healing, even color healing is definitely a thing. Um, and they've just always been a part of my life. My mom used to have them in the house. I never understood why they were there or why I liked them, but I did. Um, and just in the past like five years or so, it's just become something I'm so passionate about. Um, yeah. So obviously a lot of actors suffer from addition anxiety. Is this something that you've ever been affected by or with? Oh my gosh, I think it's worse the more you do it as well. It's it's just not, um, I've, I suck. I suck at auditions. I don't know how I've ever got a job. And you know what, I said this recently, if I hadn't done the television program, which didn't feel like an audition, it felt like a constant performance and there was so much pressure and it was like, oh, brilliant. This is already the job. I don't know if I'd even have made it into a drama school or gotten, because I, something happens to me and I just feel like I, all the color and the magic seems to drain out. And it's something that I am really aware of and I really want to work on. Whether that's all complete bull and it's all in my head and I'm putting on so much pressure to be something instead of going in and just being myself, which is exactly what I did on the program. Um, but I find it, excruciating sometimes and so frustrating and I'll go in and I'm so prepared the only time I get really nervous is if I'm underprepared I think if you know your stuff it's so important and it's really hard sometimes you don't have time you know and if you're juggling a few jobs like it's it's rough but you have to do it and you have to invest um I went to a workshop in New York and it was like five hour type thing and you know expecting to get up and doing script and we sat down for the whole five hours which was so surprising to me um but it was one of the most empowering and interesting workshops I've, I've ever done and he basically it goes against everything that I've and most of us do it's like you're good you got this um you know you're beautiful you're strong you're unique this is good this is gonna be a great day he's like oh you know I go in and I'm like I'm not gonna get the job I already know that I'm never getting it <laughs> jokes on them because they don't know but I'll go in anyway um and this came from a conversation he had with someone it was someone like Patty Lapone or of that level that he ended up crossing paths with I don't think it was her so don't I, this is not verbatim like don't quote me um but it was someone of like you know huge huge like pff, crazy crazy credits and an amazing career and she was like darling it's just a chance to act on a Tuesday why are you making it anything other than that and he said that's always stuck with him and it's always stuck with me to be like I'm going in to work with people I've never worked with to collaborate with to bounce ideas or I don't have to pay for my, you know, the singing lesson. I'm taking in a piece of music that I love to sing. Even if you don't, you find something in it with a pianist who is going to sit and play with people who are going to sit and listen. Um, and you get to be an artist for five to 10 minutes, especially if you're juggling multiple um, muggle jobs. You get to go and be the artist that you are to share your creativity with no expectation um, on the outcome. And I think for me, that's the difference is now my complete attitude towards auditioning and my mental prep and my ritual and how that has adapted is I'll go to the med the meditation I'll go to the sound bath I will keep my routine and my regime the same you know when you get that audition and you're like everything stops the world has stopped and all I'm thinking about is this one script oh my god I think that's the worst thing you could possibly do yes invest the time yes learn the stuff play it uh, play around with it like but still be you because otherwise you've just put so much unnecessary pressure and it's never going to be your best work um, and also, even if it's not, give yourself a break. Yeah. What's for you won't go by you. Um, this is a mutual thing. Like, 
I went in for a job recently. I was really excited about it. And um, the panel was huge. And I thought, you know what? I'm, I'm really excited about this. This could be really cool and a really cool experience. And I went in expecting to, again, expectations, shouldn't have those, but just being me, I felt really comfortable. I was in tech rehearsals, so I was exhausted. And I was excited to just talk to these people and share this song. And I walked in and I shook everyone's hand and the room was so cold. And I didn't get asked a single question about not even how are you? I'm not saying this is right or wrong either. It's just the nature of the job would have been like quite a personal thing to go and do, to leave and do. And I kind of left the room and I was like, I that was lovely. I've really enjoyed sharing that song, but I'm not sure that my personality and my soul would work well with those those people in this situation because I didn't feel any warmth. I didn't feel like I was necessarily like just not the right fit in that room. So it was really nice to walk away from that audition going like, I already know in my gut that I'm not gonna get this, but it's okay because I don't know if I would have wanted that either. And to like really remember that it's like a 50-50 power thing. I think we surrender a lot of power um, and the responsibility sometimes. I've had people come out and go, oh, the, the room was cold and it was this, well, go in and change it up. Like you like master that alchemy, that energy, like go in and, and just be you and change the energy into whatever you want it to be. And that is our job. You know, we're the creatives that we're in there to create. Um, but also know that it's, it's okay if you're like, I did not get a good vibe. This was not my best work. Whether it was the room, whether it was me, whether it was my prep, it's okay. Cause there's always going to be another Tuesday. Yeah. Just go in and act Absolutely. on a Tuesday. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I remember watching a video, I think I've said this before in the podcast, from Brian Cranston, it was him getting interviewed. And um, they said, oh, you know, if there's any advice you could give to like actors out there, what would it be? And he said as well, you know, just go into the audition and remember that this is your chance to perform and they just get to share that time with you and they can take it or they can leave it. And he said that he applied that to all of his auditions and then he was like, and I've never worked any more than in my life. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's a brilliant video. I think it's on YouTube if you type it in. Oh, yeah. But yeah, it's just the exact same as that. It's, you go and do your bit and yeah. So why was 2018 such an important year for you? 2018 presented so many challenges, um, physically, emotionally, professionally. Um, a lot of the people I was around seemed to be going through quite a similar thing. And I think for a lot of people it was um, <laughs> make or break in a personal growth way. So it was like, I'm gonna show you some of your darkest bits and let's see how you respond it felt like um you know the devil was coming out to play and being like he 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 oh you're having a good day here you go how do you respond to this and um the word I kept writing down in my journal was love warrior and every time I was responding to something in a non-authentic way or a way that was like uh, or like self-criticism or just dwelling on nonsense you know really poor mental health and poor self-care I would have to be like, are you a love warrior? Are you truly a love warrior? Can you approach this with love, even for yourself in this really vulnerable position? Um, 2018 was the year that I decided to quit the industry and I was gonna do something completely different. And as I called up um, to have this conversation, which actually no one really knows about, I was on a bus and I was like, it's a really weird place to have this conversation, but I feel like I'm moving. I've always been more comfortable when I'm on like transport. And um, I was like, okay. And then 
I got asked to do Edinburgh Fringe and Snow White at the Palladium. And I was like, I believe like with my moon cycles, everything's in a cycle of nine. It would have been exactly nine years of being there, starting the Palladium, finishing the Palladium. And I was like, you know what? I've always wanted to do the Fringe. I've always wanted to go. It's a really great opportunity for me to express things that mean a lot to me and express my true self on stage. And then I get to finish at the theatre where it all began. This feels so right, so right. And even as I was telling a dear friend of mine, we were sat outside in a cafe in Bromley and this guy walked past with a recorder as I started to talk about it playing Somewhere of the Rainbow. I'm not kidding you. And I was like, see, perfect alignment. This is what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to reinvent. I'm not sure what I'm going to do yet, but it's going to be something else and this and this. And I just, I feel like I've done my full cycle. Um, Maybe this is all I was supposed to do. It was there was like no work coming in that year. It was like the first time since moving to London that I had to get a regular job. Um, I felt like I belonged somewhere else. I always feel like I, I belong in New York and I've been trying to get out there for a long time. And that's something I'm now pursuing and doing 100%. Um, but I just felt like nothing was working out. I felt like I was out of flow. I was just not where I was supposed to be. I couldn't understand it. And I had some of the darkest personal times like with myself that I have ever experienced and I always say like a part of me did die and it needed to but it was a really scary place to be in I felt very vulnerable I felt like I couldn't really share it with anybody because I was embarrassed because I'm always about like I'm always an advocate for taking good care of yourself and doing that and I was like why am I being so cruel and to me um but I think I needed to go through that and then did the Edinburgh Fringe and was very vulnerable, but was also because I'd been, I'd felt so low, I felt like I had nothing to lose. And I'd already made my mind up that no one else knew this was gonna be this one song. So I sang all my favorite songs and I talked about things I would never talk about on stage. And what happened was I found 15 year old Danielle and it happened one night in one of the shows and I started to cry and I, I shared it with the audience. And I was like, I, this is very strange for me to be kind of, coming to this realization live on stage with you guys here at McEwen Hall but I have to say thank you because I think this community has helped me get back to the core of me and I understood why I do what I do and why I'm creative um but it also reminded myself that I don't need to stay in the same box and I've never the more I try and stay Danielle Hope who's done some West End shows and will do West End shows and that's it like no like I want to write my own original songs I want to do I want to write a book and knowing that you can do all those things and the only limitation are the ones that you put on yourself and we are creative beings I want to be creative I want to adapt and evolve and even though that's scary because you have to leave old selves behind I think that's something I realized but it was only because of the extreme darkness that I felt like earlier on in the year. I would say from like March all the way through to like July. That was those months of just extreme growth and expansion, but it was scary. That's why I wanna say like for anyone who is dealing with that, like I actually, I wrote something. um, I wrote something down that was like, I know it feels like, I'm trying to quote myself, which is hilarious (laughs) because, but I know it feels like you've been here forever when you get into that dark room, when you're in that place, you feel like you've never known anything other than the darkness. I felt like that was me. And I'm like, why do I even have friends? Why would anyone want to employ me? Like, of course, look at, you know, and 
but I promise there was before and there'll be after like any other room you're gonna open the door you came in here for a reason because you're gonna find a key and it's gonna unlock the next chapter but you need to be in the room long enough for it to just think of it like Alice in Wonderland you know some of the rooms she goes through are really scary um yeah and and she moves through but then she always comes through to the light and yeah when you get out it might not be this clear golden road that you go ah it's so obvious now you might find another kind of weird room that you're not sure of but we have to go through those to figure out what we like and what we don't and who we are so I would say there are going to be other rooms and I'm really sorry if you're in that dark room but we all go through them and I feel like you can truly understand who you are in the light once you've been in the dark. Last question, Danielle. Um, could you walk into a room and say, I'm having a bad mental health day? 100%. Um, I would say I'm having a bad day. Or I'm, I'm so proud of owning those moments. Now, I don't think that you necessarily need to come in and dwell or give weight because there's a difference in... I'm sharing to air this, to shake it out of my body. Yeah. And there's a difference in being like, here's my heavy little package because I'm having a really bad day, fix it. Or like share it. I never want to um, give my energy to another person to bring them down, but it's nice to own, like just own your shit and be like, yeah, I feel really shitty today. This is not fun. Okay, let's continue. Yeah. And if my response or if my energy seems a bit off to you, you now know why. Yeah but I'm also not excusing it and I'm not giving it weight. Yeah. Fucking brilliant. Yes. Yes, queen. Yeah. We're going to round up with a game. <laughs> it's called finish the sentence. Yeah, she knows. Okay. I woke up today and thought, it feels like Manchester because it's grey and rainy. Oh. <laughs> Just home. <laughs> My favourite post-show snack is Pippa nut, coconut and almond butter on anything. A fun fact about me is, I love aerial silks. In 10 years time, I want to remain creatively fulfilled. I'm sure you will. My dream role would be. Oh, okay. I have to pick one. Mary Poppins, but in like maybe the third movie. So not necessarily the stage show or if they did a series or something. So like, because I love it when they build those, like the sets, um, those film sets. Happiness to me is? Being able to be my authentic self in any environment and always speaking from my heart. Amazing. Last one, my personal favorite. If I could be any animal, I would be a... So I'm a hybrid between a dog and a horse, but I'm going to say unicorn, but yes. a hybrid dog horse. Amazing. What would your unicorn horse hybrid name be? Oh, um, bonus question. Bonus question. <laughs> Didn't even think about that. I want to come back to you on this. Dan Danielle, thank you so, so much for joining us today. Um, the two of us are just sitting here so inspired and thank you so much yeah. for sharing everything with us today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Industry Minds. We wanted to make our listeners aware of the services that we offer. We are lucky to have the support of our counsellor, Mary Birch. Mary offers a private telephone or Skype service 24-7 and completely free of charge. She's also holding one-on-one -on -one sessions at a creative-friendly price of £25, so if you are interested, please get in touch. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please hit the subscribe button. 
You can also rate and review us on Apple. We want to reach as many creatives as we can, and this isn't possible without ratings from our lovely listeners. Share, tell a friend, and please continue to spread the word, as it really could help someone. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back with you very, very soon. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.